أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد we mashallah are about to finish a module of the book and we're making a lot of progress inshallah we should finish the book within a year or so at this pace this is باب فضل العتق the the chapter with regards to the Virtues of manumission. So there's a couple of things that should be said tamhidan before beginning the text of the book, which is that manumission or the freeing of slaves, uh, having a chapter regarding it in Tasawwuf, and a book on Tasawwuf uh, on Orthodox uh, spirituality in Islam, uh, presupposes the idea that there's slavery in Islam. And uh, so we'll talk about slavery. And if someone wants to pull out a sound bite, they can make things look really bad. You know, if you're shaitan, I guess that's your work. Good for you. But uh, a couple of things in the beginning. One is that slavery in Islam was never like slavery was in this country, where people are enslaved because of the color of their skin or because of their race. That's not a concept in Islam at all. In fact, there's a hadith that we should read, inshallah, we should get through in, in today's dars, that categorically negates this idea. Um, the second thing is this, is that uh, slavery, although nobody would want to be a slave, slavery as an institution is not an immoral institution, and there are many parallels in America to what Islam considered as a slavery that are essentially indispensable to, to life in this country. The idea being that a person uh, as a punishment can be placed into a sort of a hobbled level of citizenship where you're not able to uh, um, come and go as you please um, and you're also not able to you know, make choices about your life that you normally would like to but in general it doesn't mean that you're a piece of property and it doesn't mean that you don't have rights and it doesn't mean that you don't have dignity or worth as a human being it's a you know, situation you're in so for example if somebody comes to America and their visa runs out they put them in a detention center. Somebody commits a crime. You know, it's not like their citizenship is revoked because of it. But there are so many crimes that will garner a person a life sentence. And uh, many of them justifiably so, uh, very reasonably so. But it's not like that person becomes a, like not a human being anymore. Uh, rather, because of the choices that they made, the society has to ha deal with them a certain way. Like you can't just kill everybody. The Mongols had a sacred law called the Yasa. Uh, they were actually encouraged by the Muslims to codify it uh, when they conquered the Muslim lands. So they had some hundred some odd laws, but only one punishment for everything is death. Right? So you can't do that. You can't do that and have a healthy society. Uh, and so this is a way that the, the, the sacred law dealt with war captives. And it's not anything unique in that sense to Islam. But it was uh, something that, that seems to be more or less standard amongst all human beings. And, uh, you know, it's something that we don't really deal with very well, even in this country. Um, the idea is that if you're a prisoner, you don't, like, lose your rights or whatever. You're still like a human being, and you still have certain rights uh, under the law. You lose some of them, not all of them. But in practice, uh, even over here, it's oftentimes grossly, uh, uh, um, grossly executed to the point where a person actually does get dehumanized to a great degree. قال الله تعالى فلقتحم العقبة وما أدراك ما العقبة فك رقبة 
uh, Allah Most High says in his book in Surah Al-Balad that Allah is talking about a human being without going too deep into the tafsir and he says he's talking about a human being and so he says so he was shown two different paths that he, he could take but he never entered into the into the, 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 the destination like he was traveling one of two paths and he never made it to the destination uh, means means to enter into something so he never entered into the, 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 the place that he wanted to go the place that he needed to go and how can I explain to you how can I explain to you what that, that destination is that he should have been striving for uh, and so there's a list of things that Allah Ta'ala then mentions that are those things that would have taken you to the destination that you wanted to go and the first is فَكُّ رَقَبَةٍ the uh, 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 freeing, uh, the prying free or prying loose of the chains from a neck uh, meaning what? it's a, uh, the neck is here the metaphor for the enslavement of a person to free a slave so the chapter regarding the virtues of manumission of freeing a slave that freeing a slave would have gotten a person to the destination uh, uh, that, they, uh, that they wanted to go uh, uh, to feed um, feed the hungry uh, in their time of difficulty uh, somebody who is an orphan that's a relative of yours or somebody whose dire poverty is their lot um, and they have absolutely nothing uh, uh, um, then after doing deeds like this they're from the people who believe and uh, they uh, uh, encourage one another to uh, patience and steadfastness and they encourage one another toward mercy those are the people who will be on the right hand side on the day of judgment meaning they're the people of uh, Yemen of Barakah and the ones who will enter into Jannah and so uh, this is a great fadila of, of uh, a great virtue of itqa, of freeing a slave that uh, Allah Ta'ala would mention, mention it in the first of a list of well-known, uh, of well-known good deeds. And the idea of tawasi is also part of the spiritual path, which is what? Is that it's a very difficult path for somebody to travel uh, better than traveling alone. We travel with one another and that we should encourage people, one another on the, on the path not constantly discourage people when someone wants to do something good, when somebody wants to be steadfast, when a person wants to be upright, when a person wants to be ethical, instead of telling them, well, everybody else does it and, you know, don't waste your time and you're a fool and you're this, instead encourage them, encourage them and help them out in order to take the path of righteousness. This is also part of that path uh, as well in the women uh, of the ayat that are, uh, that are, are read. وعن ابي هريره رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من اعتق رقبه مسلمه اعتق الله بكل عضو منه عضوا منه من النار حتى فرجه بفرجه متفق عليه يرحمكم الله ابو هريره رضي الله تعالى عنه said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever uh, frees uh, the neck of a muslim or a muslim neck Allah Ta'ala will manumit uh, for every limb of that person a limb uh, of theirs from the hellfire uh, to the point of the manumission of his 
of the the the, the genitalia of the slave will be a manumission of the uh, genitalia uh, genitalia of the manumitter and so there's a number of things here as well that uh, um, that that the commentators bring attention to one is that uh, uh, you know the, the the deed of manumission is composed of different parts and other is that a person has their own sins that they're afraid of especially the age we live in it's a proliferation of zina to the point where oftentimes non-muslims have a hard time believing that there was actually a society ever whether it's here or whether it's amongst the muslims where people are not all uh, constantly just gross uh, with their bodies and with one another and uh, uh, you know it's true it did exist and it does exist but it's vanishing in front of our eyes because people are making bad choices with regards to how they conduct themselves uh, and with regards to how they how seriously they take the problem of zina uh, but the the mention of adwin uh, also is a, a, an idea that in freeing a slave you know slaves were not all the same price uh, a slave had a value based on his or her physical attributes, based on their skill set, based on their disposition. And so this is also an encouragement to free the uh, slave that's of high value, of high price. Uh, that a recognition that the act is a more difficult act for somebody to, to, uh, to do. That what they give up ostensibly in terms of material... Um, in terms of material benefit is more than what a person would give up in freeing like somebody who's old or somebody who is disabled or somebody who uh, has uh, some other uh, defect um, and on the flip side somebody who has some sort of excellency or some quality in them that's uh, greater than uh, another person then uh, the reward according to this hadith should be more uh, there's a discussion about the freeing of a Chassi uh, of a um, what would you say in English a eunuch, a eunuch slave, uh, and uh, first of all, although it was a practice in uh, in the Muslim world, uh, unfortunately, that people used to buy and sell eunuch slaves, slave that was castrated. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because that way the master could be could trust the slave with the women of the house without any danger of zina happening. But uh, so they oftentimes fetched a very high price, especially in like noble households. But the process of castrating a slave to make a eunuch uh, is actually uh, it's haram. It's haram. There's no you don't have like the right to do that just because someone's a slave. You don't have the right to like physically damage them or mutilate them in that way. And uh, so the objection was brought that uh, does this uh, hadith somehow negate the negate or decrease, like mitigate the amount of uh, reward that a person would uh, uh, receive for manumitting a eunuch slave. And the uh, answer to that question is that uh, no, actually, because the idea, the general idea of the hadith is that the higher the value of the slave is uh, monetarily or because of its composite parts, the more uh, reward a person would get for, for manumitting that slave. Uh, and so a uh, naqs like, like being a eunuch, like castration, uh, because it actually increases the value of the slave, uh, it would increase the value of the manumission. But it's important to point out that this did exist in the Muslim world. Some brothers, mashallah, they're like, oh, if we had a caliphate, you know, like there'd be Coca-Cola coming out of like all the water fountains. We had caliphate for a very long time. It wasn't as amazing as people would hope and as it should have been. 
and this type of stuff used to happen. It's not right. Uh, and uh, it's, it's haram. And oftentimes what would happen is unscrupulous non-Muslim slavers, because they knew that the f- price would be higher and the Muslims, you know, will not at least endorse doing it themselves. They would just do it themselves and then sell the slave afterward. And it's like just catastrophic because one of the reasons that the price of the eunuch was higher was because children would die. They did it to them as children and they would die. Um, the mortality rate, I assume, would probably even be worse if you did it when someone was an adult. Uh, and so it's just like this horrific thing. It's not right. Um, but once that, that, that happened, if a person were to possess such a slave, to free them actually would not necessarily be less because of this hadith, because the value of the slave would be, would be more. And uh, Allah, Allah Ta'ala knows best. وعن أبي ذرن رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الأعمال أفضل قال الإيمان بالله والجهاد في سبيله قال قلت أي الرقاب أفضل قال قال أنفسها عند أهلها وأكثرها ثمنا متفق عليه The hadith is narrated by Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari رضي الله تعالى عنه who said that I asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam which deeds are most virtuous and he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam belief in Allah and struggling in uh, in uh, Allah's way then he said uh, which slaves are the most virtuous meaning to manumit and he said the, the ones that are most precious to their families uh, meaning the family here, ahl I guess doesn't necessarily mean family, but meaning the the people who who who, who the slave uh, uh, serves, uh, uh, and the ones that are uh, of the highest value, the highest price. This is important because anybody who's seen, uh, 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 you know, anyone who's seen slavery before, like we've seen it in Mauritania, I guess theoretically, like the government uh, banned it or whatever. Practically, it, it was still there. So you see that if a slave is like 80 or whatever, they're not going to be, no one's going to buy them in the marketplace. It's the same thing. We do the same thing with prisoners in this country, right? That they'll give uh, release to a prisoner like at a certain age when they're, you know, already sick, they have cancer, they have this, they have this. Oh, look, we're going to give you release on, on, on uh, compassionate grounds. And uh, where's the compassion? You know, like they actually have better health care in the prison than they would have outside, you know? Uh, and so uh, it's just like like let them out and let them go somewhere and die, and so at that point, like if you were to like really if you were to like free a slave, like what are you doing? You're just basically saying go go away and die somewhere else. Uh, whereas if you still free a slave that has is you know possessed of some capacity, they can make a life for themselves still. Um, this is one of the reasons uh, you know that the freeing of slave it didn't mean that the slave leaves. It's like a lifelong. Uh, uh, um, bond that people used to have with their mawali all right the word mola it means the 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 owner that released the slave and it also means the 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 slave that was released by the owner this is one of the just as a kind of a side note right we have some bakwas mostly desi people who have this objection oh you can't say molana to a scholar right and the word has a number of meanings one of them is master Right, anta maulana fansurna ala al-qawm al-kafirin. It's also a proper way of addressing Allah Taala that you are a master, uh, so uh, give us victory or give us aid against the uh, the unbelieving folk. However, the word has many meanings. One of the meanings of it is the master who freed the slave. It also means the the, the slave that was freed by the master. Uh, you can be used either way. 
So uh, you know, this is kind of a kind of a bakwas objection of people who don't know Arabic who just want to look for something to point out in order to be cool, which is sadly a condition of many human beings, especially the desi ones. I don't know, maybe not especially, maybe just all human beings, but the desi ones do it in especially annoying ways to me, uh, uh, that are that are precious. Uh, God bless their heart to me. Uh, so that's 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 what that is. But you know, mawali in the old days when someone freed a slave, it's like a lifelong. Uh, connection that you have part of it is why because like you don't know anybody you don't have a tribe so you become part of the tribe of the 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 master who freed you you don't have contacts no one's going to give you a job no one's going to like you just you you have nothing to do you know like no one's going to marry you so okay it doesn't mean that the master is necessarily uh, in in normal life going to say okay now you can marry my daughter or my niece or whatever but at least in that circle they'll find somebody for you Uh, whereas if you don't have anybody like to survive on your own to survive alone is impossible Nowadays, there's this fantasy and this illusion that like you can survive on your own. Like I don't need anyone. Like I'm gonna throw up the deuces and just get a, like a studio apartment in the city and that's it. But you need other people. You just shifted to another master who's even more cruel and and uh, uh, unloving, but is like good at, at you know giving you uh, meter doses of Kool Aid in your IV. You know, uh, so that's that's what that is. So Babu Fadl Ihsani Ilal Mamluk is a chapter now regarding. The virtue of ihsan, of behaving beautifully with, uh, with the with the slave. Mamluk. The word here, mamluk, means what? Someone who's owned, right? People talk about the Mamluk dynasties, Mamluk Islam, Mamluk. Every, everyone is Mamluk, mashallah. Uh, and uh, the fact that we have in Islam, uh, like slave dynasties in different places, it's a sign that that uh, you know things were a bit different what we use the word slavery for in America and what, what slavery was in the Sharia they were very like qualitatively different things Allah ta'ala wa'budullah wa la tushriku bihi shay'an wa bil walidayn ihsana wa bi dhil qurba wal yatama wal masakin wal jari dhil qurba wal jari al junubi wa sahibi bil jambi wa ibn sabili wa ma malakat aymanukum Allah Ta'ala said, worship Allah Ta'ala and do not associate with Him anything. And that you should show goodness and kindness and beauty to your parents and to uh, your relatives and to your, and sorry, and to uh, orphans and to uh, the destitute and to your, uh, you know, neighbor, your, your relatives who live near to you and to your uh, uh, neighbor who uh, lives next to you and to whoever is in your proximity, in your vicinity. Jal al-Junub, one of the aqwal of what it means is al-Ajnabi. It's maybe your neighbor, but it's like not. You have no like familiar relation with them. Uh, and the, the person who's like next to you, whoever you're sitting with, right? So don't be a jerk. Just, you know, this is a thing, mashallah, as Americans, mashallah, we do. Many of us, one of the things we do as Americans is try to pretend we're not Americans, you know, but, the, you know, just because you're brown and eat biryani doesn't mean you're special. Uh, um, uh, you, you know, you, all of us, we're human beings, we take ether from people around us. It's people who grew up their whole life hearing from their immigrant parents, so that's what Americans do, that's what Americans do, and, you know, I feel like that's not as unique of an experience as people uh, want to hope it is. Um, So yeah, the people who are immediately around you, one of the things we do as Americans is that we want to like push our rights. Like you can't tell me what to do and like, so I'm going to do this just because I have the right to do it. Uh, that's not a good thing to annoy another person just because you have the right to annoy them and you don't want them to like tell you what to do. Yeah, sure. If it's going to like harm you or it's going to cause you some 
undo, uh, you know, difficulty or someone expects you to somehow be deferent to them uh, in a way that's, you know, is malevolent, I guess. Uh, in that in that case, a person should like stand up for themselves, but just to be a jerk for no reason, just because you can and you don't want to take that away. I think one of the really interesting uh, um, experiences we had with that has to do with like masks, face masks for like COVID. So some people would like take them off to piss other people off, you know, some people put them on to piss other people off. Like one thing is like where you put it on and then the person is upset about it, but you need to wear it. I get that. Right. But like you're walking around outside or you're like, you know, like in a car alone or something like that, just to like somehow make a statement to like annoy people. I don't, I don't, I don't see the benefit of that of either way. So now they make an announcement in the airplane. They're like, you know, masks are not required, but you can't, you can wear one if you want to. And whatever your choice is, we ask that you respect your, you know, like they have to make these like kind of nanny type uh, announcements where, you know, Muafaq to the Ikhwan, Mulana Rashid Ahmed Gangohi was asked about, about like the summary of Tasawuf. This is actually one of the points he mentioned from the Fadal of, uh, of, of the Salik is that he should be somebody who, when he sits in a group of people, he tries to like just, if there's no harm in it and if there's no like, you know, uh, violation of the Sharia or what, just go with the flow. Why do you have to be, uh, you know, stick out like a sore thumb? Which is something that I, I don't. I feel like I, I have to admit I've not been good at for a large amount of my life. It's taken a long time for me just to realize that this is, this is actually part of the deen, and uh, now we have to practice a little bit more. But uh, you know, don't be like me. You know, uh, learn learn from my aside man He learned from my shortcomings. So uh, uh, we read this hadith from Al Ma'rur ibn Suwaid. Uh, uh, Taala from from the uh, uh, from the Tabi'in Rahimahullah Taala Al Mukannabi Abi Umayyah Min Kibar Tabi'in Fil Kufa. He said that Ra'aytu Aba Tharin Radiyallahu Taala Anhu Wa Alehi Hullatun Wa Ala Ghulamihi Mithluha Fasa'altu An Thalika Fadhakar Anahu Saba Rajulan على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فعيره بأمه فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إنك امرؤ فيك جاهلية هم إخوانكم وخولكم جعلهم الله تحت أيديكم فمن كان أخوه تحت يديه فليطعمه مما يأكل وليلبسه مما يلبس ولا تكلفوهم ما يغلبوهم فَإِنْ كَلَّفْتُمُوهُمْ فَأَعِينُوهُمْ عَلَيْهِ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ Ma'arur bin Suwaid uh, uh, from the Tabi'een, he said that I saw Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And he was wearing a hulla. Hulla is the clothing that the, the upper garment and the lower garment match. They're cut from the same cloth. It has Dalil for Shawakam is there. See that? MashaAllah. Why you say stuff for Allah? Say mashallah, alhamdulillah, mashallah, right? But the upper garment and the lower garment is is the same. It's cut from the same cloth. The Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? It's narrated that he wore the hullatun hamra ma ra'aytu ahsana minha qattu, right? That the it's the, the the narration in the Shamal Sharif, mashallah, that that, that the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam also, although he wasn't shalwar. He didn't used to wear. Uh, he never wore tailored pants, but he wore izar. He wore a waist strap and the lower garment but the idea is that the the hulla is is a hulla not because it's a izar on the bottom but because it's the the upper garment and the lower garment are the same 
they're cut from the same cloth. And so uh, uh, he said that I saw I saw Abu uh, Abu Dhar uh, wearing uh, hulla, and his the slave boy who was serving him was also wearing uh, uh, the exact same clothes. They were clothed the same, which I assume didn't used to happen, <coughs> you know, in Alabama and Mississippi back in the day. So he said that I asked him uh, about that, like what's the deal with that, and he said that uh, he mentioned to me that once he. Uh, cussed out, got into a sh- uh, got into an angry uh, exchange with uh, a man uh, uh, during the uh, uh, era of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, uh, he uh, he said that he uh, basically badmouthed him because of his mother. Basically, he cussed out his mother. And the whole idea was that he basically spoke bad about him because he was black in color and because he was a slave. And uh, the Prophet wasallam, when he, this came to his attention, he straightened him out. He said that uh, you're a man. There's still jahiliyyah in you. There's still ignorance in you. Um, he said that they're your brothers. And, uh, but at the same time, they're, they're your servants. Uh, Allah Ta'ala put them underneath your hand meaning under your control and so if one of your brothers is under your control uh, then let a man feed him what he eats and uh, let a man uh, let a man clothe him with the clothes that he wears and don't uh, uh, burden them with work uh, that uh, overwhelms them and if you burden them, uh, then help them in uh, the discharge of the, the burden that you give them. And so there's a number of beautiful nasa'ih here, right? The sunnah is to what? Where the slave wears the same thing the master eats, wears, and the slave eats from the same food that the uh, master eats. And uh, uh, that the work that you give us, A, should not be excessive, but you facilitate the work getting done. This is one of the things that 100% bothers me like to a maximal extent I use the words I used because there's a book of the hadith of the messenger of Allah وسلم, in front of me otherwise I might have some more choice and colorful vocabulary used in describing how much it bothers me which is for whatever reason in the Muslim world in particular in bureaucratic settings but in, in general in Scenarios where there's some sort of hierarchical relationship. Whether it be at a government office, whether it be at school, whether it be the relationship between like a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, whatever. There's this idea that not only is the hierarchy going to be exercised, but I'm going to speak in the worst way possible and I'm going to actually make your job harder for you for no freaking reason whatsoever. And this is something that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa called Abu Dhar al-Ghifari one of the most pious and one of the most loving and one of the most intense in his iman from amongst the companions anhum. a jahil and told him in that in that nasiha in that scolding I mean imagine this is in, this is like years later this is years later that this is happening after Rasulullah passes away that he sees this thing and look how like much Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu remembered the scolding that years later this 
like young boys, like where the Ghulam is like between seven and fourteen years old, is wearing the same clothes that like Abu Dhar is wearing in his advanced age. That he kept the wasiyah, he mahfuz, you know, to that level of uh, uh, of um, specificity that they're literally wearing the same clothes. And one of the things he told them in that scolding was was what if you make them do work, facilitate the work for them. The first meaning of uh, that comes to mind is actually participate in the work with them. This is for a slave. This is not for your employees. This is not for your children. This is not for your students. This is not for people who come to, like for some public service as a public servant. This is for actually like a like master and slave relationship. Do the work with them until it's done. At the bare minimum, the i'ana is what is facilitated. Make it easy for it to get done. What do we do? We throw up barriers and hoops in order to make the work extra hard. In order to like, instead of facilitating it, like in order to just like make it like complete hell and like make it more difficult as a show of our force or our power of our, our authority. It's completely satanic quality. It's not a good thing. And Allah forgive us, any of us, if we've ever done it in the past. You know, like you see that, like you know, like you're at a restaurant, you know, if you can just take something and put it up at the counter or whatever, you can take the cart and put it back, whatever, so they get paid for this. Like you're not generating jobs and work for them by doing this. They get paid based on the revenue that the, the business makes. You're not generating value or revenue by leaving your cart like a jerk, like on the wrong side. Okay, Chalo, you're like, it's cold outside and you don't want to go and you you know you had surgery last week and this okay leave the cart then but sometimes it's easy all you have to do is like push the the cart like and you're parked right next to it all you have to do is push it around the corner right the point is Anna can take many forms and then you can get to the zero point where you neither help them nor do you uh, make it difficult Jalo, i'm not following a sunnah but like you know it's just sunnah it's not farther right then going out of your way to like make it annoying just because this is a completely horrible trait. I hate people like this. Uh, I feel like this is my sadaqa because mashallah, uh, you know, being a Mulana Saab doesn't pay as much as it used to, you know, back in Nizam al-Mulk's days. So like, you know, this is the sadaqa I give that when I see people behaving like this, I just think like, how is it I can like humiliate this person just so they can taste it. And I know they're not going to understand because people like that usually don't think through things. They're, this is a very like animalistic mentality that like, you know, dominance and pecking order, like gorillas trying to beat each other up to figure out who's the alpha or whatever. Um, you know, that this is, you know, they're probably not going to understand. How can you give sadaqa? So please don't do that part. But just the part that's useful is what the sunnah is just to like make it easy. Make it easy for people. If that's what it is for a slave, then like, you know, non-slavery related situations, you know, no amistad involved, none of that stuff. Then just, you know, you should try to make it easy for people. And it doesn't mean you have to do everything for everyone all the time. But if it's easy, you know, like doing one like thing, like pushing a cart or like picking up dishes and put, putting them on the counter or... Uh, you know, rinsing off a plate at home, you know, when, you know, you know, it's somebody else's turn to do the dishes uh, or whatever. Those things, when they pile up and repetitively, a person has to do it 10, 20, 15, 100 times in a day, uh, you know, it makes a difference that we just make life a little bit easier for one another. And that's, that's a good thing. 
عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا أتى أحدكم خادم خادمه بطعامه فإن لم يجلسه فليناوله لقمة أو لقمتين أو أكلة أو أكلتين فإنه ولي علاجه رواه البخاري this is a hadith also that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the point here, wal-ukla bidhamm al-hamzati hiya al-luqma, that the, and this is a thing in the qira'at, right? Atat ukuluha, right? It's ukl in nafi'ah. And this is a very regular thing, like is it rusl or rusul, the, 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 the putting of the dhamma on the the second letter uh, is one of the uh, peculiarities of the lugha hijaz. The Najdis they, they, they prefer putting sukun on it, but this is one of those things you regularly see it through through different qiraat. Um, but he said he said that if uh, your servant, uh, one of you, your servant should come to you. And here, servant means slave. Um, should come to you with with the food, with their food. Um, then if you don't sit them down to eat with you, meaning what? What's the actual sunnah? The best, the highest form of the sunnah is to sit them down to eat with you. If you don't sit them down to eat with you, then at least give them a, a, a one or two bites to eat. And this is the shak of the rawi. Not that the Rasulullah said, Luqmatan o luqmataini, uh, o uklatan o uklataini, but the rawi has shak which word uh, was used, and both of them mean essentially the same thing which is to give them a bite or two, give them some part of the food uh, to eat as well. Uh, meaning what the sunnah is that they should not only eat the same food as you, they should actually sit with you and eat. Uh, why? Because فَإِنَّهُ وَلِيُّ عِلَاجِهِ That he is the, uh, the, the person who is uh, 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 tr- trusted with his, with his work. اَمَزَاوَلَتُهُ مِنْ تَحْسِيلِ الْآلَةِ He's the per- person who's like helping you out. Uh, so it's in your favor. It's in your uh, uh, it's in your favor, and it's in your interest to be good to him, right? Because he's doing something for you, which is the same thing, right? It's the same thing with all of these hierarchical relationships. That somebody who's you know it's in your interest to see them succeed. Like why would you push them down uh, for no reason? They're actually there to serve you, and this has to do with uh, the theory behind slavery, which is what look when you have war captives. One nation conquers another nation. What used to happen in the old days, so many, so many different times, so many different places, you just have a general massacre. The Mongols used to do that. Basically, you have one chance to surrender. If you don't surrender right away, then that's it. There's no, nothing else. Just they would beat them, kill them. That's it. Drain them of blood. It's nothing personal. Why would they do it? It's nothing personal. It's because when you leave people alive to plot against you after you beat them, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You won today, tomorrow may not be so lucky, right? So you got to, you know, take care of business. And so this is what used to happen. So you have, like, these different options that when, when somebody when somebody's a war captive or when people are war captives, you can either kill them right on the spot, which seems to be, I guess, uh, according to many great world conquerors and people who are credited with building civilization, seems to be the pr- preferred option oftentimes. You can take them prisoner. The problem with taking them prisoner is you still have to feed them. You have to take care of them. Then when you take them prisoner, you can either enslave them or you can uh, you know, ransom them. But not everybody has ransom that, that, that they can pay. 
in fact they used to you know like in the middle ages what they would do like the 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 people who had worth and value they would ransom them but like most people you have to uh, basically enslave them or kill them or you could let them go uh, free and they may actually like just turn around and try to kill you again tomorrow or maybe later in the day uh, depending on how, how things are going uh, the idea of slavery is what it's a a way to do a couple of things one you spare the person from dying and but you also spare yourself from them turning around to kill you islam had a particular interest why because usually people used to go to war with each other for economic reasons that they're fighting over money the companions weren't doing that because they didn't take people's stuff like if a, the, the the booty that was there the ghanima and the battle they would take but like if they conquered a place they didn't or uh, sorry if they a place submitted to them the sacred law doesn't allow you to touch any of people's stuff they still own everything that they own uh, uh and so uh, it's not that that's not and generally it doesn't seem that many of them made all that much wealth uh from their conquests um and it's like that in many muslim states uh, right down to one of the reasons that they wanted to standardize the, the the code for citizenship in the ottoman empire is because under the laws of dhimma like non-muslim like armenian merchants and stuff like they became massively rich and their 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 wealth was like indemnified against taxation to the point where it was causing resentment in uh, amongst people so they're like oh let's get rid of the sharia system and like just tax them under some uniform code uh, so that we can get out their money by people who were not uh, uh, interested in the uh, in the sovereignty of the sharia within the state the idea is this is that you have to do something with them if you free leave them free there's a very good chance that this could be the the recipe for your own disaster tomorrow the companions weren't fighting them because of race they weren't fighting them because of money they weren't fighting them because of some sort of like a score that they wanted to settle for jahiliya the whole point of the jihad of the companions or the allah ta'ala anhum was to what was to bring the nizam of islam and the adl of islam to people the message of islam to people and so what better way to do this except for or what better way to do this except for to have them live with you because people are going to be like right off the bat like we were talking about before darks right people are going to be like well i'm a muslim that's why islam is best another person i'm a christian that's why christianity is best someone else is like you know whatever like i'm a wiccan that's why like you know i have a pentagram in my uh, you know in my basement or whatever on the floor and we like light candles i don't know but uh, uh, everyone's going to think that what they do is best and it's all equal. Like at the most, the aql of most people can get to without wahi is what? That they're all the same and I choose mine, you choose yours. So like I won't bother you, you don't bother me. But if we fight, then it's a fight between equals. Islam is not like that. But everyone will make the claim that they're better than the other person when pushed. There needs to be some way that this ifbat of this claim can be made. And through the institution of through the institution of, uh, of, of, you know, keeping war captives, imagine that the person eats what you eat. They uh, drink what you drink. They wear what you wear. They sit with you. They stand with you. And in general, to make ihsan toward them is by the explicit commandment of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a good thing. Will that change their mind about you? Yeah, it's quite possible. Not only will it change their mind about you, it's quite possible they'll accept Islam. Even if they don't accept Islam, um, you're no longer like a foreigner. Like you now become the same. This is one of the reasons that 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 the level of like racial animosity we have in America, 
Um, I don't think it was known to uh, people in the Muslim world. Because it's not that there weren't people who were subjugated, subjugated or people who were enslaved or whatever, but because the, the, the nature of the, the institution was such that people had to mix with one another to this degree. Like, for example, in America, you know, people say about Thomas Jefferson that he sired like children with his slaves and things like that. They're not Jeffersons in that sense, right? They don't really have a share in the inheritance or whatever. Whereas in the, uh, in the sacred Sharia, the children of a slave woman are like full heirs of the master. The point is this, this is that the Prophet ﷺ here, first in the hadith of Abu Dhar, he said that they are your brothers who Allah Ta'ala put in your service. So a person who treats his brother like garbage is basically treating himself like garbage. You humiliate your brother, it means that you're, because you're from the same unsur, it means that you're worthy of humiliation and here the idea is like they're there to like help you so like why would you put you put them down like you should like support them uh, and we have maybe three or four more hadith it's a babu fadl al-mamluki ala mamluki alladhi yu'addi haqqa haqqa allah tabarak wa ta'ala wa haqqa mawalihi the chapter now regarding the wasiyah to the slave themselves, uh, uh, regarding the virtue of the, the enslaved one who renders the right of Allah Ta'ala and renders the right of their masters. So a couple of things. If someone is a Muslim, no matter if they get defeated in war or whatever, a Muslim doesn't have a right to enslave them. This was a big uh, uh, contention between Sahnun and the, the Aghaliba. Um, uh, and he actually basically had his own like band of like uh, rough, tough Bedouin murids who would basically free wrongfully enslaved Muslim uh, captives who were like political uh, adversaries of the, of the Dola. You cannot enslave another Muslim in that sense, uh, even if they fight against the government or are defeated or whatever. So how does a Muslim, how does a slave become a Muslim? Either they're a Muslim who traveled to the land of Kufr and were, was enslaved over there somehow by hook or crook. These things happen. The seer of Islam gives no guarantee for a person's rights under the Sharia if they choose to move in the Dar al-Kufr. So even if it's by, by, by trick or by hila, if somebody is enslaved, uh, like cheated and enslaved in the, in the lands of the Kufar, Shara'an, the Muslims are not obliged to free you in that sense. Um, rather, if... They, they bring you as a slave to the market and then sell you back into Dar al-Islam. You come into Dar al-Islam now as a, as a slave. So this is one way. But more commonly what would end up happening is that uh, a person uh, who was uh, enslaved uh, um, would be enslaved as a non-Muslim and then they would accept Islam. Uh, and that could happen by them being enslaved by a Muslim, or they could be a, a non-Muslim slave of a non-Muslim master, but hears about Islam and accepts it, which was like, probably the most common amongst the first of the companions of the Allahu Anhum that, that, were, uh, that accepted Islam in slavery. Uh, like Sayyidina uh, Salman al-Farsi radiallahu anhu, like Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so uh, this is the wasiyah that, 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 that the Rasul sallallahu gave to the slaves of how your conduct should be. Said An Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu anhuma and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala in al abda ida nasahali sayyidihi wa ahsana ibadatallahi falahu ajruhu maratani mutafaqun alayhi. 
Uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, may Allah be pleased with them both, said that the Messenger of Allah said that the slave, if he's sincere to his master and serves him, uh, serves Allah Ta'ala in a beautiful way, makes ihsan in his worship of Allah Ta'ala, not serves, worships Allah Ta'ala in a beautiful way, then he receives the reward double. Someone says, well, how is this, uh, how is this uh, relevant to us? Because there's no slaves in the room, inshallah, Allah ta'ala keep your necks uh, free of, uh, of, of servitude. Uh, I mean, and mine as well. I mean, the point is, is what? It's hard being a slave. So in general, many of the material rights over the slave, uh, over a normal Muslim, uh, or criminal uh, liabilities, they're put, put in half for the slave, first of all. Second of all, uh, the idea is that as a free person, it's so difficult to discharge your duties anyway. If you're in slavery already, um, then there's a recognition in the Sharia that to be a Muslim is even harder. And so it's reflect, it reflects this concept, the harder it is for you to do stuff, the more reward you get for it. It's relevant to us. Why? Because we're like, you know, we're minorities or we're whatever, you know, like things are hard sometimes, you know, like, you know, the, your exam is on the 27th day of Ramadan, you're in the masjid the night before and you're like, oh, why does it have to be so hard to be a Muslim and there's nothing halal at the cafeteria to eat and, you know, and then Mulan Saab said machine slaughter is definitely haram and so, you know, you can't do that anymore either and why does it have to be so hard, why is it so difficult? The thing is, the more difficult it is, the more you put into it, the more you receive your ajr. Why? Even the slave, it was difficult for them. They received double the reward for the same act. Muttafaqun alayhi. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, uh, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that for the slave who is owned, um, but he is muslih, like he, he does well. He, he, he serves and he, whatever he does, it's islah, it makes things better rather than trying to make things worse or, or, or slide by without doing anything. That that muslih, both in a worldly sense and a moral sense as well. That that a slave that's salih, that's righteous, he receives double the reward. Then Abu Huraira, he swears an oath. He said that I heard the... He's saying what is that the reward that I heard from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, about what the reward of a slave is who makes good. That it, it was so high that I swear an oath by Allah in whose hand is the soul of, uh, of Abu Huraira. If it wasn't for the obligation of jihad in the path of Allah Ta'ala and the obligation of hajj and the reward of hajj and the obligation of taking care of my mother and the reward of taking care of my mother, he said, I would have thought it nice to die as a slave. Why? Because the sabr, the reward for the sabr that the Rasul described, the patience of a person in difficulty is so high. So some of these things that we think about, like, why me, why me, like, walk around, you know, as if you're cursed and things like that. One day, Yom Al-Qiyamah, maybe a person will see this, that this is actually a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and not a curse. When Abi Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-mamluku al-lazhi yuhsinu ibadata rabbihi wa yuaddi ila seyyidihi al-lazhi alayhi min al-haqqi wa ta'ati wa nasihati lahu ajran. Muttafaqun alayhi Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu narrates a hadith of similar meaning 
that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the, the slave uh, that makes good or makes beautiful the uh, worship of his Lord and who renders over to his master the rights that are upon him uh, uh, in terms of their rights and in terms of their obedience and in terms of being sincere to them, that slave will receive double uh, reward for his good deeds. وَعَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ ثَلَاثَةٌ لَهُمْ أَجْرَانِ رَجُلٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ آمَنَ بِنَبِيِّهِ وَآمَنَ بِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَالْعَبْدُ الْمَمْلُوكُ إِذَا أَدَّى حَقَّ اللَّهِ وَحَقَّ مَوَالِيهِ وَرَجُلٌ كَانَتْ لَهُ أَمَةٌ فَأَدَّبَهَا فَأَحْسَنَ تَأْدِيبَهَا وَعَلَّمَهَا وَأَحْسَنَ تَعْلِيمَهَا ثُمَّ أَعْتَقَهَا فَتَزَوَّجَهَا فَلَهُ أَجْرَانِ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ This is another hadith uh, in, in which there's even more specificity given that uh, Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari رضي الله تعالى عنه said that there are three uh, groups of people who will, who will receive double reward. One is a man who uh, was from the Ahlul Kitab, from the people of the book, and they believed in there, the, the Nabi that, was, that, that they knew of, and then afterward they believed in Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that their Islam, they'll receive the reward of continuing with their old religion, and they'll receive the reward of practicing Islam on top of it separately. And the second is the, uh, the, the slave who's owned that renders the right of Allah Ta'ala and the right of his masters. And a man, and this is a particular, a particular uh, uh, act of ihsan to a slave, that a man who owns a, a, a slave girl or a slave woman, and the idea is what? Again, if they're like war captives or somebody who's completely un, uh, unfamiliar with Islam and with its adab and culture, civilization, language, any of these things, that he acquires a woman as a, as a captive or he acquires a woman who is a captive as a slave and he teaches her how to comport as a Muslim. And he teaches her the knowledge that a Muslim needs to know, that he teaches her how to pray, he teaches her how to make tahara, how to fast, how to do all of these things, Surah Al-Fatiha, etc., Juz'amma, things like that, like teaches her the basics of being a human being. What is it that he took somebody who had no deen and no status in society and then raised her to the, 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 the position of knowledge and position of deen and position of, uh, of uh, uh, comportment in society that she has a rank. And then thereafter he frees her and marries her. That man will also receive the reward double. Why? He didn't have to free her and he didn't have to marry her. But what did he do? He took somebody who was like in a low status and took her by the hand and raised her up. This is what the, the, the deen is about, is to take somebody who's down and take them by the hand and raise them up and be happy that they're equal with you, rather than try to keep pushing people down, pushing people down, pushing people down, which uh, sadly a lot of people think is a sign of, of success or of status. And then there's one uh, last hadith in this module of the, of the book left, inshallah. And I think that uh, because of uh, some of the discussions, it will become clear why it's connected to uh, the hadith that came from before, although I don't think it would immediately be clear to most people. So, Babu Fadl al Ibadati fil Haraji wa huwa al Ikhtilat wal Fitanu wa Nahuha. 
this is a chapter regarding the virtue of worshipping Allah Ta'ala in Haraj. Haraj is what? When like everything goes crazy and uh, when there's fitna, it's basically when blood is spilled and just society breaks down. Again, what's then the, the connection? The connection is what? Is that imagine the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described the reward of the slave in slavery and the difficulty of slavery that they worship Allah Ta'ala as being double. So according to that same qanun, uh, 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 according to that same standard and canon, uh, the reward of worshipping Allah Ta'ala in other types of difficulty other than slavery also should be great. And Ma'apal in Ibn Yasar in Radiullah Ta'ala Anhu, Qala Qala Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Ibadatu Fil Haraji Kahijratin Ilayya, Rawahu Muslim, that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described that uh, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a time of chaos it's like making hijrah to me the idea being that the reward of hijrah was something very great uh, and it was something that uh, that was described as very great and the companions of the Allah they saw some sort of deficiency in hijrah the, or in the Islam of a man who didn't make hijrah even though he was able to uh, and it was something by which a person completed their iman that uh, to be patient and steadfast in the worship of Allah Ta'ala in the time of difficulty uh, he uh, likened it to, to making hijrah to him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala write us from the Muhajireen Obviously there's not blood being spilled in the streets Alhamdulillah but uh, things are getting weird and it will get to that point as well there's nothing that goes up except for it comes down Allah Ta'ala spare us from ever seeing it but it happens, we know it has to happen everywhere it has to happen uh, so a person should be steadfast and keep that in mind and rather than thinking about why is it so hard for me uh, just realize remember that Allah Ta'ala puts every test that a person has that they're put through for them this is actually one of the lines from the Tahawiyah that Allah Ta'ala doesn't make people responsible for more than they can bear nor does he give him give them uh, more uh, than uh, he made them responsible for so just do your best this is what perfect looks like perfect people think well I'm you know I can't be perfect no perfect is that deficiency that you're able to do and even then a person falls short of that perfect as well but don't they say don't let that perfect be the enemy of the good the meaning of that is what is that there's a perfect that's not even possible mathematically to look at that and then be dejected, shaitan says to you, oh, look, you're a loser. You're not actually practicing deen because you're not. That. Nobody could do it. Nobody can do that. I mean, it's not even possible to do that. That perfect, you're not even going to be asked about. There's a perfect below that, which is itself deficient, that you might be asked about one day. And nobody will even get to that. But to look at the other perfect that you you never could get to in the first place, it's just a, like a, a, a sort of like a, a um, self-flagellation. And out of all of the types of things that a person does to themselves uh, that are haram, flagellating is not one of... No, just don't go there. None of them are good. Anyhow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all, all of us tawfiq to worship Him in, in times of, uh, of, 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 of hardship and ease. And may He accept from us the best of what we do and uh, 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 ignore the rest. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma